Welcome to the Turnip on Repeat podcast. The podcast where Turnip tells you the music he's been listening to on repeat. I am Turnip. I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. I've been listening to music for a while. I figure maybe that's the angle. I figure I need an angle. I don't want to subject you to just my personality. What kind of person would I be if I subjected you to the the kind of person that I am? It's not to be done, no. So here's the angle. We're talking tunes. You'll notice that the uh, on-repeat title is suspiciously similar to the title of a playlist, which is automatically programmed for every member of an extremely popular streaming platform. I intend to give that platform no credit and no money ever. Uh, I put all of my content on their platform and receive no money and no credit. We'll call this reciprocity. I considered coming up with a different name. I didn't consider it long. One of the best names that I ever heard was from my friend Tom, who named his band Mrs. Peanut. I said, Tom, why'd you name your band Mrs. Peanut? He said, who cares? It's a name. I picked it in 15 seconds. He said, if it takes longer than 15 seconds to name your thing, you're never going to have a thing to name. Now, I have no idea if that's true, but he said it with such authority. And he's a very tall man, Tom. And everything sounds true when tall men say it. I haven't seen Tom in about 10 years, but I think about uh, how tall he is, and I think about Mrs. Peanut all the time. And so I am Turnip, and this is the first installment of the Turnip on Repeat podcast. I mean, hopefully it's the first. Maybe it's the last. Maybe you'll hate it. Maybe no one will listen. And if you don't listen, I will stop doing this. I will, I will not do it if no one listens. To what end? If people, who don't, if people who listen to me now don't want to listen to this, I will fold, I will fold like what, oh, oh, an Ikea chair, the cheap ones, the backbreakers that you have to sit in at like a co-worker's comedy show. I, I, I will quit. I am not Superman. I'm not bulletproof. If you don't enjoy this content, I will simply not make it. I'm not going to power through. To what end? It's not like I'm right and you're wrong and I, like I know something. If you do not enjoy this, it is wrong. Wrong direction for the channel. I'm wrong every day. I'm not Superman. But enough about Zach Braff. Ka-ching! Ka-ching. Top fucking shelf scrubs reference. If you didn't like that, turn this off. Because this podcast will not get any better than that. It will, in fact, stay exactly that stupid always. And that's big facts, Jack. Right now, you are listening to Bill Frizzell warm up to the song I Heard It Through the Grapevine. I heard this on the radio a little while ago. I've been listening to it on repeat. What if that's all I had to say about every song? This is a song. It was written by a musician. I've been listening to it on repeat. Honestly, that would probably be better. But it's not to be done. That's the radio's angle. I apologize in advance that this is not going to be as good as the radio. Anyhow, nothing is so good as Bill Frizzell warming up to I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Shout out to Bill Frizzell, Hobokenite. He moved to Hoboken, New Jersey back in 1980. And we will listen to a Jersey Boy warm up. Next up, we've got Lazy Lester. Bright Lights, Big City. I straight up love this song. I love it almost as much as I love the name Lazy Lester. I bought this record just because 
the man's name is Lacey Lester. Imagine if you asked somebody their name and they said, my name is Lacey Lester. Of course, they couldn't just say it like that. You know, if your name is Lazy Lester, everything you say has to be on that Lazy Lester level. You gotta be like, my name, name's Lazy Lester. That's the first part. You don't say my name. You say, name's Lazy Lester. Lazy like a dog that's been sitting in the sun, boy, but you sneak up on me and I still bite you. Lazy like a dog that's been sitting in the sun, boy, but you sneak up on me and I still bite you. And I still bite you. Bright Lights, Big City is a standard, but I like when Lazy Lester sings it. There's nothing like hearing a song you heard a hundred times sound totally new on account of the old man who's singing it. It's like the whole intention of the song just changes when you hear a man that age singing it. Age is its own instrument. Bright Lights, Big City, gone to my baby's head. First of all, can you imagine how old this baby would have to be? That's a 56-year-old baby, bare minimum. And it's just like, you can just hear in his voice how many times he's seen this situation. There's no surprise, you know? This is just what happens when you expose your baby to the bright lights of the big city. They go to her head, her old-ass baby head, full of wrinkly soft spots, you know, and she can't lift it up on her own. He can hardly help her because he's a million years old and lazy, independently of that. When you first hear him sing the words, bright lights, big city, you almost worry for him because if that light is too bright, it's game over. Don't surprise Lazy Lester, but of course, the bright lights of the big city could never surprise Lazy Lester. He's seen it all a million times. It's boring to him. Next up, we've got Chuck Berry, Surf and Steel. Chuck Berry, bona fide guitar god, who famously stole rock music from Michael J. Fox in 1955. Shortly thereafter, Bob Dylan robbed his song Too Much Monkey Business for Subterranean Homesick Blues, and John Lennon turned his song You Can't Catch Me into Come Together, which is a good thing. We love robbery on this podcast. Every artist is a mosquito on another man's ass, and that man just happens to be Michael J. Fox. This particular version of Surf and Steel is off the record Chuck Berry on stage. That's a funny record because it wasn't recorded on stage. Chuck Berry liked the idea of doing a live album. The studio liked the idea of making a new record with old songs, but they didn't want to spend the money to record live. So they just muddied up studio recordings and overdubbed raucous clapping over every track. My dad told me a great Chuck Berry story once. My dad's a guitarist and he used to know a fella who played drums in one of Chuck's traveling bands. This was late stage Chuck Berry, so he had a huge ensemble traveling with him everywhere he went. He could feasibly look at the whole band and not be able to name his drummer. But the guy is thrilled to be drumming for Chuck Berry. Towards the end of the tour, he brings his young son to come see the show. And after the show, he brings his son over to meet Chuck Berry. The drummer walks up to Chuck. He says, hey, Chuck, this is my son. Chuck Berry cuts him off immediately, and he says, I'm done working. Probably the three clearest words in the English language, but the guy persists. He says, uh, yeah, Chuck, uh, I'm the drummer for the show. I was, I was just hoping to introduce my son to you. Chuck puts his hand up. He says, I know who you are, and I'm done working. There's a lot of lessons to be learned there. Don't fuck with Chuck. And don't keep working. Do not work if you're done. 
Next. Here I come again now, baby, like a dog in heat. Ted Nugent, Stranglehold. I've been listening to this one a lot recently because there was a fight recently. Terrence Crawford beat the shit out of Errol Spence. I don't know if you saw it. I saw it. I loved it. I love violence. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved violence. I would be watching a movie and someone would hurt someone else and I just liked that shit. I, I would paint them on the actions. Whatever the violent actions happened to be, I'd pretend that I was the one actioning that violence. I'd be Ray Liotta attacking the man who just attacked his Jewish wife. I'll still do that. Sometimes I'll be in the shower. If you touch her again, you're dead. If you touch her again, you're dead. If you touch her again. Anyhow, I say all that to say that if I was a boxer, which I often pretend that I am, the song that I would walk out to is Stranglehold. Stranglehold is nine minutes of Ted Nugent just letting nine tabs of acid play his guitar. Just rocking the fuck out. Not saying anything coherent or meaningful, thank God. Because the coherent thoughts of Ted Nugent are not things that I desire to hear in my leisure time. Next up is one of my favorite songs of all time, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Dam. This is on repeat for me pretty much every week. But especially now, as of the death of the one and only Robbie Robertson, maestro of the band. Robbie Robertson, a.k.a. the first man that your mother ever dreamed of as she humped the pillow. This is a classic modern entry to the American songbook. I saw Joan Baez perform this song once, and I thought to myself, this performance is as incredible as it is incredibly unlikely. You got a Mexican woman from New York State uh, singing a Canadian man's folk ballad about the great and noble Robert E. Lee. This world's a crazy place. The results speak for themselves, you know. Uh, this song is just infectious. The performance that Martin Scorsese captured in The Last Waltz is uh, one of my favorite live performances of all time. The Last Waltz, for anyone who hasn't seen it, the story of the band after they've been on tour for essentially 10 years, and it's just this, it, it's this snapshot of men at the end of an odyssey. It is just a time capsule to be opened again and again. People like to debate with this song, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Dan, is about. And that's because uh, they like this song. And they don't like to think that they like a song that really, really likes Robert E. Lee. I don't think that Robbie Robertson, a Jewish-Canadian musician who's friends with Martin Scorsese, likes Robert E. Lee, but he wrote a song that really, really likes Robert E. Lee. That's a testament to both his prowess as a storyteller and his status as just one of the, the all-time super random dudes. It's about Robert E. Lee, but some people like to say that it's not about Robert E. Lee. They like to say that it's an anti-war song, that it's a, a, about a lot of different things that it's not about. Uh, one time, a guy was interviewing Robbie Robertson and he said, uh, you know, the, the way that Levon Helms says, here comes a Robert E. Lee, you know, like the spacing there could leave you to believe that he's actually talking about like a Robert E. Lee ship. 
here comes a Robert E. Lee. Would you like to shed light on that? And Robbie Robertson lets him finish that whole statement, and then he just says, uh, you know, there's no boat in the song. Hey, song's not about a boat. It's about a Canadian who fought bravely to become one of the all-time super random dudes. Now, there are a lot of people who will tell you that the reason it seems so random for Robbie Robertson to have written The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down is because he didn't actually write it. Levon Helm claimed that he did a lot of writing on that record, which would make sense because Levon Helm is an Arkansas boy, and I don't know if he ever met any boys from Arkansas, but they's got the Civil War on these minds. But I'm not here to talk about that. Both men are dead. Both men are legends. I'm not here to do a bizarro post-mortem arbitration, uh, even though that's sad if true, because the song made like a bazillion dollars. And if Levon Helm got fucked out of the publishing, then that's, you know. But fuck that. Fuck that. Robbie Robertson died more recently, so we're all going to take his side. And I'm speaking for all of us. I'm speaking for you right now. Don't you hate that? I'm going to do it anyway. We're siding with the more recently deceased, more handsome Robbie Robertson. We're siding with the winner. I was playing this song the other day, and someone uh, told me a joke. Can you believe that? I can't remember the last time someone told me a joke in real life. But uh, this guy came up to me. He said, hey, you, you, you know, you can't say Dixie anymore because I was playing this song at the restaurant where I worked and I was like that that wasn't the joke I said uh, why not he said it's offensive I said it is I really didn't know that I, I I know that it's offensive to love Robert E. Lee but I didn't know that it was offensive to say the word Dixie but the kid shrugged he was like I don't make the rules then he said uh you know we named my first dog Dixie I said really and he said you should hear how the other dogs barked at her and I laughed my ass off. It was a joke. It took me a minute to realize that it was a joke. I love a joke. I like to picture that man going to different establishments all throughout the day and spreading that kind of cheer, just a different joke for every situation. Or maybe just the same joke. Around December, he'll, he'll go in uh, and someone will play a song that says Merry Christmas and he'll say something about, you know, like, uh, it's, a, it's actually, you're supposed to say Happy Holidays now. You should meet my dog. Uh, his name was Christmas. We had to put her down. Something like that would be really good. I'll leave it up to that guy, but thank you, uh, young man, for telling me a joke. Next up, the Handsome Family, Far From Any Road, otherwise known as the True Detective theme song. I have been listening to this song on repeat from the day the True Detective came out because it fucking rocks. Uh, not really, but I am re-watching True Detective, so you know... I got the handsome family on repeat. You gotta listen to the handsome family on repeat while you watch True Detective. It's like wearing green on St. Patrick's Day. It's just the right thing to do. And you don't want to miss your shot. You only get one opportunity to listen to the handsome family. And it's while you're watching True Detective. That said, this is a record for all seasons. Uh, there's nothing quite like a perfect theme song. No, there's nothing quite like when the perfect song plays at the perfect time, either in a movie or a TV show or in your Toyota Camry or the restaurant where you work. You know, perfection is rare. And True Detective has a perfect theme song. It's really a perfect show. It tells the story of our great modern fear. There's people out there trying to fuck our kids to death. 
And one of those people might be the mayor. It's the modern fear, but it's also the ancient fear. That's a story old as time. That's probably the first story ever told. It's not the first story ever told. The first story ever told was probably much simpler. The first story was just a man drawing titties on a rock. Then the second story was probably a biography of the first genius man to draw titties on a rock. And then eventually that guy, he fucked the rock, he had babies, uh, and then he wrote about a nightmare he had where the mayor came and tried to fuck his rock babies. And people probably saw that and were like, wow, his art has really matured over time. And that story was adapted into the, the shooting script for True Detective Season 2. True Detective Season 2 was the fourth story ever told. Anyhow, True Detective rocks. The handsome family rocks. Rocks. Rock. Then finally, this is the last song I'm going to do. This is not going to be a long podcast. I'm not going to subject you to a long podcast. How horrible. We're in and out like a good song. That's what we do here. This last song, I'm going to hopefully not murder the pronunciation. Uh, it's it's Letty and Dieme Maboje by Orchestra Baub. Say that ten times. I bought this record because I was crate digging at a Goodwill, and the name of the record is Pirate's Choice. And that is the greatest name of all time. In fact, I'm going to have to change the name of this podcast. This podcast is now called Pirate's Choices. Here's the thing. I know I'm going to have to change the name of this podcast. I, I, I know I, I said we were going to call uh, this the On Repeat podcast, and I had a whole story about it. Uh, it was the first good idea I had in 12 seconds. But here's the thing. What if it was not a good idea? Because Turnip's On Repeat podcast is not as good of a name as Mrs. Peanut or Lazy Lester or Pirate's Choice. I guess I could just call it Turnip's Big Podcast, but then we lose the music angle. And also I think of everything I do as being a Turnip Big Podcast, Big Audio Channel kind of experience. We're going to call it Talking Tunes with Turnip. Boom! There you go. New name. Three T's. Talking Tunes with Turnip. What more could you ask for? I'm going to change it again. Anyhow, this song is great. The album name is Greatest uh, Orchestra Baub. Started off as a house band for a bar in Senegal that catered to government officials and foreign ambassadors. And the politicians who traveled to Senegal used their influence, I guess, to help them become one of the biggest acts in world music. I knew none of this prior to choosing a record called Pirate's Choice. I was simply making the Pirate's Choice. I, I don't even know if I have this story 100% right. This is not going to be a research-heavy podcast. A lot of overheard tidbits. We're not, we're, we're not trading in facts. We're trading in tidbits. Here's a bit of a tidbit. Uh, uh, I'm going to say that this, uh, th- this band was literally... They were discovered by Bill Clinton on vacation. That's what I'm going to say. I like. He was sitting at a tiki bar with uh, George Bush W. They were on vacation together. They always vacation together in Senegal because that's where no one's trying to find them. Picture them both in a couple of uh, Hawaiian shirts, a couple of sizes too big, just sipping cocktails uh, out of a coconut they each got half of. And Bill says, George, 
This makes me want to pick up the saxophone again. George says, Bill, this makes me want to do cocaine. Then he does a fat line of cocaine. And Clinton says, I'll be your huckleberry. Then Clinton does cocaine with George W. Bush, except he, he doesn't snort it. He rubs it all on his gums because Bill Clinton don't inhale. Um, George says, uh, I hate that it takes orchestra bow to bring us together. And Bill says, hey now. You can't say hate while Orchestra Biob is playing. I wish I could do anything that could make people as happy as this song. Bush says, Me too, Bill. I thought, you know, a war on terror would make people happy, but you know how that went. Bill says, Hey now, it made your daddy happy, didn't it? Bush says, I thought it would. But the only way I could have ever made him happy was if I would have let my brother Jeb be president instead of me. Maybe the whole world would have been a lot happier that way. <laughs> Bill says, I never understand when people talk that way. I mean, having a preference over which of the Bush brothers was going to lead us into their father's war is fucking unfathomable to me. So one's a little fancier, you know, a little more qualified for his job than the other. They're both going to fuck you. It's like saying, oh, I, I, I wish I could have been killed by a professional assassin. Instead of hit with a brick by Ricky Retardo, it's like, who cares? You're dead. Let Ricky get a win. And then George says, William, <laughs> that is the sweetest thing anyone has said to me since I started the war on terror. I don't even know what to say. Bill said, then don't say anything. Let Orchestra Bob say it. Yeah, that's what this song is. And that's what this podcast is. This is episode one of the podcast formerly known as Turnips on Repeat Podcast. The next episode is coming out soon. Uh, these are not going to come out all the time, but uh, I'm going to have the next one coming out soon with uh, cartoonist and punk legend Josh Bayer, and that's going to be great. You know, he's promoting his new book, The Fish Change Colors, Then Break in My Hands. I would really appreciate anyone picking up that book, especially if you're a, a fan of the Gun Club because it is sort of a paean to Jeffrey Lee Pierce and the Gun Club. I was very nervous to interview Josh. I hope I did not embarrass myself. Also, that one is going to be a video podcast where you get to see him do a drawing tutorial. Uh, I don't do video content usually, uh, but it is worth it to see Josh draw. You know, it's really going to be something special. Uh, this, this week, this podcast is already over. It's already over. Podcast over. That's how I end this podcast. Goodbye!